being here today. Hey, before I dive into my message, which I'm actually pretty excited about uh, to share with you today, just a couple of uh, moments to say thank you uh, to all of our hundreds of volunteers that helped us last weekend. Easter weekend, of course, you know, is one of the great weekends in church. By the way, thank you for being in church the Sunday after Easter. Come on. And uh, there's all kinds of people that will come to church on Easter and uh, takes literally hundreds of volunteers, four services, just under 1,500 people in church. And thank you to every volunteer, ushers and greeters and parking lot and kids ministry and you name it. Let's give our volunteers, come on, a great big hand. And, uh, and what I'm really excited about is that we always give people an opportunity to respond to the Lord or open their heart to Jesus again. And last weekend, we had 41 people uh, give their life to Christ or come back to Him. And, you know, we all know it's, it's, a, it's a journey that we are on with people. And some people, it's their first encounter with the Lord. And some people, it's their third or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh. And we're just part of the, of the story that God is working in their life. So uh, if you think about it, would you pray for 41 people who responded uh, to the Lord? And then let me take a moment and just invite you, if you're part of our church family, you love what God's doing here, you want to be a part of it. Uh, once a quarter, we have a meeting that we call Heart for the House. It's on a Thursday night. This next Thursday night is Heart for the House. And it's just a time for us to get together uh, volunteers and leaders and people who just want to lean in to kind of get on the same page and pull in the same direction and we cast vision. And uh, this particular Thursday, we're going to have a great time. We're going to cook some hamburgers out on the patio and some hot dogs come about 630 brats, healthy hot dogs, I guess. And uh, we're just going to have a great time. And uh, rumor is, too, we'll have some ice cream because who doesn't want ice cream when it's 30 degrees outside, right? It's just ice cream's always good. So just encourage you to come on out this Thursday and let's do that together. I'm in the book of Hebrews. Uh, I'm in a series of messages called better because that's a concept that's throughout the book of Hebrews. Uh, it's a better covenant built on better promises is what it's telling us about. And um, we're kind of parked for a little while in Hebrews chapter 6. And let me start out reading a couple verses and dive into what I'd like to talk about today. Hebrews 6 verse 1, therefore leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on. Everybody say press on. Press on, keep going forward, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith toward God, of instruction about washings, which is literally of uh, the doctrine of baptisms, and the laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. This we will do if God permits. These are six foundational concepts that I believe need to be in every believer, an understanding of and an application of them. And I feel like they, they all need a fresh application in every new season that you're in. Uh, I've been a believer for coming up this May, the end of May, 
44 years ago, uh, I surrendered to Jesus. I was like two-ish. And, uh, and, you know, here's what I've found. Four decades plus of, of walking with God, and you don't ever outgrow the fundamental of read your Bible. Get up in the morning, get your coffee ready. Come on, somebody. Read your Bible and pray. And that fundamental is important. And I've found that all of these fundamentals need to be carried into the new season or the new level. So to repent from dead works is to understand that you change your currency from my effort to, which is dead works, to good works, which come out of my relationship with the Lord, not trying to earn his approval, not trying to make things happen, but walking with God. You change the currency that you're living. We talked about this idea of faith towards God, that that's literally getting a new operating system on life. What you, be, what you believe is what you really will become. And so it doesn't matter what's going on around you, it's what's going on within you. The doctrine of baptism, the idea of all in wins, immersion, all in to Jesus, all in to the purpose of God, all in to what you're doing is the only way you're ever going to win in, in any arena of life. Then we talked about the laying on of hands, which is the power of a touch and how God can use each one of us to touch someone, and how he does his work through our touch. These last two ideas, which I'm just going to talk about one today, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, at least point us to this concept. One-third of the foundational concepts that we're talking about, two out of six, point to the fact that life is eternal. Everyone that is born is going to live for an eternity. And we're going to live for a season of time on this planet, but then we are going to pass from this planet. We're only visiting this planet, and we're going to move into eternity. And the Bible is very clear that we are either going to spend an eternity in heaven with God or we're going to spend an eternity in hell without God. Eternity is a long time. And we should always be living our life with eternity in mind. There are choices that I make on this planet that have to do with living well on this planet but really, the overriding idea is this. I'm living for eternity. There's, there's nothing that I want to put in that puts my eternity in peril in any way. I'm going to make it to heaven. I'm not going to lose heaven over somebody else being stupid. You might know what I'm talking about, right? In other words, it doesn't matter what anybody says, what anybody else does. I'm still going to keep serving Jesus. I'm going to keep still following God. I'm going to stay in the house of God. I'm not going to let anybody else make me lose heaven. I'm not going to get mad enough at anybody, disappointed enough in anybody. I'm going to stay on track. And, and also, we got to understand, this drives us. We're not just trying to help people have a religious experience. And we are interested in people living life blessed on this planet. But we are driven by this idea. Every person that lives in Asheville, 
in western North Carolina is going to spend an eternity somewhere. What, what better way to spend our, our gifting than to try to reach them? What better way to spend our money than to try to reach them? What better way to lean in than to try to reach them? And so we understand that foundational to this whole thing, this whole idea is to realize that I'm going to live forever. You're going to live forever. Death on this planet is not the end of the story. So as I, as I looked into this idea and thought about, uh, you know, how do I approach this concept of the resurrection of the dead? And I had these two conflicting um, concepts working inside of me because one of those concepts could have been we could have just dug into the theology of the resurrection of the dead. And you would find a lot of that in 1 Corinthians 15 as well as various passages. And then I, I was thinking about how do I talk about how that applies to the now that we live in. And I was back and forth and finally just uh, felt like I should go with the route of application of, of resurrection of the dead to who we are and where we are now. So I want to encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 15 and get some good old theology. Come on, in your thinking. And, uh, but today I want to talk about eternity now. Eternity now. And I'm going to look at a story that I think probably all of us that are a little bit familiar with our Bible would know this story. But it's uh, found in John chapter 11. And I have a few ideas that I think could be helpful for us uh, to, to dial into this today. John 11 verse 1. A certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment. Remember, poured out this extremely valuable uh, perfume on the feet of Jesus, cried and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. The sisters, therefore, sent to him and said, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Jesus heard it. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified in it. So let me give you this first idea. Number one idea is this. You got to navigate your storms from a resurrection perspective. You got to navigate your storms from a resurrection perspective. Their storm was their brother was sick, and they were concerned, Mary and Martha, about their brother Lazarus, and sick enough that he eventually was going to die. Jesus doesn't just look at the situation, but Jesus has a resurrection perspective of the situation and makes this declaration that this storm, this sickness, this issue is not unto death, but this is an opportunity for the glory of God to be revealed and that the Son of God would be glorified in it. Now, I don't know what you're facing right now, but even as was said earlier in this meeting, we're all facing something. There's all, all of us have some kind of issue that's in front of us, and maybe it's not sickness, but maybe it's a financial crunch. But can I let you know that this financial crunch is not going to be the end of you, but God can glorify himself 
in your life. Maybe you got a relationship problem, which if you have any relationships, you got a relationship problem, right? Maybe it's a work issue. Maybe it's a family situation. And here's what I found. Every time one of those situations comes, anytime one of those storms arise, I don't know if you guys can remember uh, the, the show Sanford and Son. Did anybody ever watch Sanford and Son? Come on. Let's go old school a little bit today for a moment. And you remember every time things weren't going the way Fred Sanford wanted them to go, he would always go, oh, this is the big one, Elizabeth. And doesn't it, doesn't it feel that way when you're going through something? It feels like, oh, this is the one that's going to take me down. This is the thing that's going to take me out of the, this is going to be the end of it all. But I just want to remind us today that we got to see it like Jesus saw it. Jesus saw the end from the beginning. Jesus saw the answer before there was even a question. <laughs> Jesus had the whole situation in hand from the very beginning. He knew the outcome from the start. And to take a resurrection perspective is to understand that this storm is just happening now. All storms are temporary. All issues that come into our life are eventually temporary issues. And I love the fact that Jesus still felt their pain and didn't just kind of go, ah, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be okay. But I just want to encourage you today to recognize that on the other side of this trial, God's going to glorify himself in your life if you'll let him. On, 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 the, on the other side of this problem that you're facing, on the other side of this obstacle, on the other side of this mountain, God is going to do something great. You've got to have a, a viewpoint that goes beyond the storm and look and see, God is going to fix this situation. On the other side of your financial shortfall is abundance because God is a God of abundance. On the other side of the heartache that you might be facing today, I just want to promise you there is a fresh day of refreshing that's coming for your life. Can somebody say amen? Come on. You got to get a broader perspective than just the immediate situation. You can't navigate great direction from within a storm unless you have bearings outside of the storm. When the storm is all around you, it it you can't it's hard to tell where's north, where's south, where's the east. Where's West? Suzette and I grew up in New Orleans, home of the New Orleans Saints, who beat the Panthers twice last year. And I remember as a little kid, hurricanes coming over the top. You have no idea what is going on when the force of that storm is around you. But it all comes to pass. 
And you can't make your decisions about life and your direction in life right from your failure. Because God can take that and turn it into something amazing. You can't make a decision, a great decision, about just from your issue, just from your rejection. When you're in the storm, you can't see straight. You can't think straight. you got to take a resurrection perspective. The second idea that I want to talk about that I see in this story is this. Declare the outcome you want. Don't keep describing the problem you have. So here these guys are describing the sickness of their brother, and Jesus looks beyond his sickness and declares an outcome that is different. He says, this is for the glory of God. I just got to encourage you to, to keep your words in line with God's word. Don't just keep talking about your mountain. Speak to your mountain. The, the, the confession of faith, the confession of the promise of God, the, the power of your words, it's not, you're not denying the situation you're in. You're just superimposing truth over the facts. So the facts are Goliath is really a big giant. But the truth is God's going to give you victory. Come on, somebody. And you got to keep declaring the outcome. Now, you got to remember in this story that Jesus knew more about the situation than they did. They're all just thinking, my brother's sick, would you come heal him? And Jesus knew that he was going to die. Just <laughs> let me say this in the right way. Your situation might be worse than you think it is. Thank you for coming to church today. <laughs> Has anybody ever been in a situation where you, you thought it was bad, but you didn't know how bad it was? Hello? You thought they were evil, but you didn't know how evil they were. And Jesus is fully aware of more than they are. He knows the depth of the situation. It was way worse than they thought it was going to be. But Jesus had it under control. I, I like the fact that there's some margin in the power of God. There's some, there's some headroom in this thing. Jesus is more aware of your situation than you are. Jesus is more in touch with your situation than you are. Jesus knows the number of hairs on your head. For some of us, that's not hard to know. But if he knows the number of hairs on your head, can I just remind you that's more than you know about yourself? You don't know how many hairs are on your head. But Jesus does. And he's fully in touch. So no matter what you find out, 
about the situation, you got to know Jesus is in charge and none of it's escaping his notice. And you got to keep declaring the outcome you want, not just describing the problem you have. Amen. All right, so here we move on in the story down to verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. When therefore Jesus had heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to the disciples, now let's go to Judea again. This is a simple thought, but it's such a powerful thought. Life's overriding truth is God loves you. I know that can sound cliche, but let me just hear me out on this one. Jesus loved Mary. Jesus loved Martha. Jesus loved Lazarus. Jesus loves you. Even if you don't think you deserve it, his choice is he loves you. He loves me. And you got to know that overriding all the ups and downs of life is this great truth. God loves me. God is for me. God is not against you. God is for you. And you got to remember that. When you get up in the morning and you're not feeling like life is going your way or things are going against you, you got to remember one more time, the God who has full authority of everything in the planet, he loves you. Some people may not love you. But Jesus does. Some people used to love you, but now they don't. But Jesus still does. <laughs> I, I've, I've developed this theory over the years. Maybe I was taught it. But, uh, you know, that church is, a church is like a bus. And the bus is moving and occasionally it has stops and some people get off at certain stops. Now, I'm, I'm always thrilled for people who stay on the bus for the long story, but my, my realization is some people get on for a little while, get off for a little while. And uh, I've, I've shared that concept before, and, and I've literally had people come up to me and say, Pastor, I am never getting off the bus. But they did. They used to think this was the best bus on the planet. And now they can't stand this bus. Can you believe that somebody wouldn't love you? Can you believe that somebody wouldn't love me? I'm thinking, what's not to love? But no matter what, you go through, you can, re you can always be sure of this. 
Jesus loves you. You may not even understand today's dilemma, but you can know this. Jesus is for you. You you may not realize the great thing that he has in store for you when you're in the middle of it. I love this passage, Jeremiah 29, 11. I quote it a lot, but I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I have plans to give you a hope and a future. When you don't understand, when you can't make sense of what's going on, you got to remember this. God loves you. I'm, I'm sure they were thinking, okay, Jesus, if you really loved us, why the heck did you wait two days? Because we could have used you. Anybody ever feel like God's moving a little too slow? Wish you would have come a little bit earlier. The sisters are sitting there going, my brother died. I'm kind of thinking he should have lived. Martha, you know, busy Martha, always serving. I'm sure she's thinking, I made Jesus a thousand sandwiches. I served him lunch. I served him a hundred times, and he let my brother die. Mary, she was the one that poured out a jar of perfume on the feet of Jesus that was worth a year's salary. If I have this right, I think average or median year salary in in Asheville is about $40,000 a year. $40,000 poured out. Jesus, I've been paying tithe. I've even gotten involved in the Endeavor offering. And you're going to let my brother die? I mean, you know those battles are going on in people's heads. I mean, you know those battles are going on in your head. And I'm just here to remind you that he loves you. And you may not get what's going on today, but you got to remember he's got a plan. And he's going to work it all together for your good. And he's fully aware of it all. The, the fourth idea I want to talk about is this, and I think this is a lesson Jesus can give us, is that this. Don't let urgent fires run your life. They had a, a situation where need was very present, and Jesus waits till the right time. He waits two days. And I want to encourage you to n- not let urgency always run your life. Don't let urgent fires keep you running from thing to thing to thing. And if I could say this, especially don't let other people's urgent fires keep running your life. Your lack of planning 
doesn't create my urgency. I've gotten phone calls from people that haven't been paying attention to their marriage for the last 10 years, and now it's blowing up. And they want me to come see them, or they want to come see me. It's, it's in the evening, and I'm going, you know what? It's been going on for 10 years. Tomorrow morning, after I have my coffee, read my Bible, prayed, we'll get together and talk. And if you let other people's urgency, other people's fires keep running your life, you'll be running around putting fires out all the time and never have a sense of doing what God wants you to do. Here's what I love about what Jesus did. He got a sense of his God-given responsibility in a situation and said, I'm going to do that. I'm not going to let the fire tell me what to do. I'm going to let what God speaks to my soul let me do. You can't let that alligator keep, (laughs) of urgency, keep pulling you into the swamp. They, They have a need. And Jesus doesn't respond, knee-jerk, to the need. I can tell this concept is really blessing some of you. And, uh, but you got to learn this in life. Jesus evaluates the whole picture. And then he decides his pace of involvement in the picture. All right, that blessed you enough. Verse 8, John 11. The disciples said to him, Rabbi... The Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Not recreationally, but. (laughs) Are you going there again? In other words, don't you realize you're walking into a difficult situation? And Jesus answered and said, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he doesn't stumble. Because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. I want to encourage you to keep walking in the light that you have. Jesus is walking. His disciples are describing, this is a difficult situation. Maybe you should stay away from it. But he doesn't let difficulty deter him from involvement. He is walking in the light of what God has shown him. And I think, I think to, to get this idea, it's not about is it hard or is it easy. It's about going in the places where God wants you to go. When we started building this building or that building, or extending our, our, expanding our lobby. We, we didn't have the money to do it. We just, the lights came on. It's time to do this. And there's going to arise, I don't know how many situations in your life that difficulty could keep you from involvement, but when the lights of God come on for you, that's where you know where to go. Keep going where the lights are on. That's what Jesus is saying. I see this light. I'm walking in the day. Go where the lights are on. 
Go as far as the lights are on. Don't drive in the dark. Just the other day, what, three, four days ago, it was like 70-something degrees. Remember that? (laughs) I got in my little convertible, jumped on the parkway, driving down the parkway, loving life, pull up to one of those tunnels on the parkway, had my lights on automatic, but they didn't quite, all of a sudden, I got my sunglasses on. I'm pulling sunglasses off, and I'm trying to get my lights on. I only got one arm, by the way. And so all this stuff is happening. And what I realize is when you, when you are in the dark, you start slowing down. The darker it gets, the slower you go. You, gotta, you, go, you go as far as the lights are on. Anybody getting this idea? Understand, when the lights are on, I don't, it doesn't matter if it's hard or it's easy. Once the light... Don't ever doubt in the darkness what he's showing you in the light. Don't ever doubt in the valley what he's showing you on the mountain. John 11, 11, we'll keep moving through the story here. It says, so this he said, Jesus, after that he had said to them, my friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going that I can awaken him out of sleep. And the disciples therefore said to him, Lord, If he's fallen asleep, he's going to recover. And Jesus had actually spoken of his death. They thought he was just talking about Lazarus was taking a nap. So then Jesus, therefore, said to them, plainly, Lazarus is dead. You know, there are times where I see Jesus, and he's going, okay, guys, breathe in, breathe out. Ever had anybody like that in your world? You know, left foot, right, this is how you walk, left foot, right foot. It's, it's just, it's not that hard. He says, I'm glad for your sake, verse 15, that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, therefore, who is called Didymus, T. Diddy, T. Diddy said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die. Oh, Thomas, with him. Don't get stuck in a limited perspective. Thomas had this pessimistic outlook. Thomas was sincere. He was ready to go die. But he was sincerely wrong. And Thomas, your outlook is built on what you're looking out from. Thomas had a perception of life that was his lens. Jesus is is about ready to perform one of the greatest miracles recorded in the New Testament. He's going to raise a man from the dead. And Thomas's perspective is, we're all going to die. Some people always find the, the downside. 
No matter what's going on, they immediately locate the negative, the downside, the cynical side. That's just all they, no matter what they see. Some people always find the upside, the positive. And, you know, we can read this story in five minutes, ten minutes. And we're getting the overview of the entire event after it happened. But you got to remember, in this story, only one person had complete perspective. That's Jesus. And everyone is judging this story from where they stand, right? So Mary is looking at this story, her perspective. She's hurt because Jesus let her brother die. And Martha, who is the to-do list queen, is upset because Jesus didn't stay on schedule. And the disciples are looking at this and going, Jesus, you're going to go to a place where they just wanted to stone you? Why would you want to do that? Thomas, doing what Thomas does so well, looked through the lens of pessimism. The crowd is looking at this story, and they're, they're siding with and mourning with Mary. And all I really want to say about this idea is, you got an angle, but you got to recognize that your angle is limited. And you got to, that's why you got to get surrounded by healthy people. That's why you want to get in your Bible on a regular basis to get a God perspective and not the CNN perspective. Don't listen to all the fake news that you hear. You can't have a limited perspective. Don't get stuck. Come on. And then my last idea that I want to talk about, drop down to verse 23. Jesus said to her, your brother's going to rise again. Martha said, I know. I got, I got the doctrine, resurrection of the dead. I got it down. I know he's going to rise again on, in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me is going to live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Not do you believe in something that's going to happen in the future. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. The, re the resurrection is not just something God does later. The power of the resurrection is who Jesus is now. And I, when I look at this, I, I recognize there's two things, simple, powerful. First, God is a God of now. God is at work in your life now if you can stop and recognize it. Second, it's recognizing this, that 
Everything that God does, everything in the kingdom of God is going to flow out of the person of Jesus. I'm not just after a blessing. I want the blesser. I'm not just after a healing. I want the healer. I'm not just after salvation. I want the Savior. And I don't know what you're facing today, but I just believe that God wants to get personal. It's not just things that he does. It's who he is. And out of a relationship with Jesus flows the power of the resurrection into our lives. It may be so beyond you that you can't even imagine. But I just want you to know, God has a plan. God has the power. God is for you. Somebody say, Amen. I want to pray together. Would you bow your heads, please, all over the room, and let's close our eyes. Let's just take a moment, just you and God, for just a few moments. Father, I'm praying for everybody, every single person, every individual that's in this room today. I'm praying that there will be that overwhelming sense you are absolutely in charge and for us. No matter what they're facing today, I just believe that you can bring hope, fresh outlook on our future. While your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, maybe you're here today and you've never actually just surrendered to Jesus. I would love to pray with you. Or maybe you're here today and there was a day when you used to be close to Jesus, but you're not there now. You're not where you used to be, where you want to be, where you could be, where you should be. There's no shame, but this is an invitation for you to come home. Or maybe you just feel unsure about where you stand with God. And nobody's looking around. I just want to pray with you. If you say, Pastor... I know I, I know I need to take that step in my heart. I want to I want to open up my heart to Jesus. I, I want to make sure I want to come back. I want to make sure I'm right with God. Would you pray with me? If that's you, I want you to lift your hand real high all over this room and say, "Just include me in this prayer." God bless you right here, right here. Thank you. Just lift it high. Thank you over here, over here. Come on. We're for you. God's for you. This moment is for you. God bless you over here. All over the room, thank you so much. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Thanks so much. All over the room. We love you guys. We're for you. Let's say this prayer together. This is for everybody that lifted their hand, but I'd love for us all just to join in and share this moment. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love, to your lordship. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned, messed up, but I come to the cross where you paid the price 
for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start, a new beginning as I surrender to Jesus. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen.